Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Front Face Lock Podcast. Today, me, Vinny, am going to be hosting this episode, a special Christmas Eve Christmas episode with Ryan, of course. How you doing? Today we're going to be talking about WWE Unforgiven 1999. So Ryan, if you want to just go over a little bit about uh, Unforgiven in general, or Unforgiven 99, what was going on at the time of uh, WWE WW, WCW at the, this moment? So, I did not watch this one like you did, and, you know, the last couple episodes I've taken a lot of notes, and there's going to be episodes coming up where I took notes that we'll go over, but this one, you have the notes, I don't have the notes. The, the research I took was that this one was uh, September 26th, 1999. September 26th in Charlotte, North Carolina, the attendance was 15,799. All right. That's for WWE. That's for WWE Unforgiven 99, the show we're going over right now. But, as I love to do, the comparison WCW was doing September 12th, which was 14 days earlier, 13 days earlier, whatever it was, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, 7,491. So half. Half. That was their pay-per-view. Now, this is the time, if, if, if I'm, if I, you could correct me if I'm wrong, this is pretty much was right after the Monday Night Wars kind of ended, right? Because WCW's po- uh, popularity started going back down. They were giving away free tickets to their shows. And, and WWE and them were usually around the same cities, if I'm not mistaken. This was, I, I, I believe you're right. This was um, right after, when I say right after, probably within a year of um, DX showing up at WCW. I, I, I'll look it up and at some point. But it was right around the time where they um, said that, oh, Mick Foley's going to win the title. So right. if you want to see that, go tune in over there. And, and all everyone already shifted. <laughs> that blew up so bad in their face that they thought that it was like, oh, we spoiled it for you. Now you're not going to watch. Oh, you want to see Mick Foley win the title? Go over there. Yeah, I want to fucking see Mick Foley win the title. All the viewership went over there. So this is after WCW is starting to decline. Obviously, in the attendance-wise, 15,799 versus 7,491. Their main events were Benoit versus Vicious, Sting versus Hogan, and DDP versus Goldberg. That was their three main events. So those, those those are no slouches. Those are three good main events. Yeah, they're heavy hitters there. Right around when this happened, about two weeks before. So this is the part where Nitro, like I said, started going downhill against Raw. WCW started making quick fixes uh, to try to, you know, get ratings. So they had, like, Master P with his, remember his, like, faction he had? They had Megadeth on the show, Kiss. They had the Kiss Demon. It, it It all was just terrible. So then Bischoff was removed from power on September 10th, 1999. Going into now, two weeks later, Unforgiven, 99. So you're thinking, at this point, 
WWE is going to come out on top on the Monday Night Wars, but they still kind of got to make that final push. We get to Unforgiven 99. Let's try to go back into a battle of shittiness with WCW because now we don't have a competitor. That, that's what it seemed like. They wanted to, like, dumb it down in order for people to start watching WCW again. That's what it seems like to me. Like, Vince was trying hard to not to keep them competitive for this ratings war instead of just crushing them. So it's almost like you feel like they lowered the bar. Yes. So they would watch the, the, the competition and come back and go, oh, no, this is better. Yes. So I'm going to explain. All right. During this time in WWE, or WWF, I'm sorry, right before Unforgiven 99, they had a storyline where the referees, listen to me carefully, the referees, okay, went on strike. Do you think they went on strike because they weren't getting enough pay? That's what you think. That's what you think. Like, oh, referees go on strike. We want more pay. We want health insurance. We want this. We want that. Right. They went on strike because they were tired of getting beaten up by the wrestlers. But if you go back 30, 45, 50 years, every referee at some point has gotten beat up. Right. Beat up, taking a bump. Yeah. Right. Get crushed between two people, inadvertently hit with a chair, you know, what have you. That's part of their job. I mean, that's what you sign up for. You don't join the army and say, well, oh, I might never get shot at. There's a potential you're going to get shot at. You know, there's always that risk. I didn't become, not me personally, but people don't become firefighters because they're never going to run inside a fire. It's kind of ridiculous. So this was this was what was going on. They decided that they were getting beat up too much and too frequently by the wrestlers, so they were going to strike. Now if you're going to start Unforgiven 99, if you're going to start the pay-per-view and watch it, and I'd like to make a note because the last one we watched with WCW, Buff Bagwell was on the cover with the duck lips, and he had this horrible match with Luger, right? If I'm not mistaken. This one, The Undertaker, is in complete ministry attire on the cover, and he's not in the pay-per-view. This is uh, pre-corporate ministry, full ministry. This ministry where the acolytes have the tattoos on their chests. So The Undertaker is on the cover, but he's not... Unless I missed something, I watched it from beginning to end. Maybe he showed up in a six-pack challenge that I kind of skipped around in. But he's not in it. He's not in the pay-per-view. It made zero sense to have him on the cover. It's gone the, the WCW route with things that are going on here. You have, like I said, the refs. They're outside at a picket line, okay? Picketing outside of the arena that Unforgiven 99 is taking place at. Now, I don't know about you. When you see picket lines for construction workers or or stuff like that, and you see them picketing at job sites, but they're not flying halfway across the country to go there. So these refs had to pay their own plane fare to get to North Carolina. They're flying to locations to hold up signs. Yes, outside of the We're not going to count the three count. Yes, in, in referee's gear. Outside. Oh, they're in the referee gear. Yes, they they are sitting there picketing outside the arena in referee attire that they must have paid a plane fare to get down. That's how this pay-per-view opens up, and I was like, this might be terrible, <laughs> so we're going to have to cover this. Granted, it might be a little bit of a 
a drunk history take on this. And, you know, like in Beer Fest where they had to drink a couple beers to remember where it had the password to get into the Beer Fest. Yes. I did have a couple beers last night when I was watching this. So some parts might be ma- fuzzy. doesn't matter because, you know what, I've been drinking Jack Daniels all night. And I'm going to be drinking while I'm watching this. It's going to be an experience for me because you have seen this and I have not. Uh, also, I'd like to give a shout-out to Anchor.fm for being the platform for our podcast. We're on Spotify now. We're on Twitter at Front Face Lock. We're on Instagram at Front Face Lock uh, Podcast. We're on Facebook at Front Face Lock. Follow us on all of those. We appreciate the viewership. Tell your friends. That's really awesome. I love the way that you interact with us, too, and tell us what we're doing right, doing wrong, what you like, what you'd like to see in the future. That's really awesome. I'm going to just touch on a couple matches. I'm going to just summarize them. And then we're going to go into the the meat and potatoes of this, which there's two matches I want to cover. Specifically, Uh one, because it's just a total shit show, which is the Kennel from Hell. The Kennel from Hell match. But we'll go over that. And then we have, that was for the hardcore title, Al Snow versus Big Boss Man. And then later on, the six-pack challenge uh, for the WWE title, which was vacant at the time. Bulldog, Rock, Mankind, Triple H, Kane, and Big Show. Pinfall over anyone at any time wins the championship. And Stone Cold Steve Austin was a special enforcer. Vince McMahon vacated the title on September 20th because he defeated Triple H for the title on September 16th. Vince McMahon won the title on September 16th and then vacated it on Raw four days later and then made a six-pack challenge for the title. So it sounds like typical... 1999 WWE storyline. McMahon's going to win the title, and then he's going to just go, ah, I don't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. Here you have it. Yeah. And the reason why I want to cover that match, too, specifically, is because of the ending. Now, we watched yeah. the ending of uh, the last show we did when Horace Hogan counted Bischoff's arm with the three, and we said that was one of the worst endings. This is... It, I can't say that it's on par, but it's equally as awful that you're like, what the fuck? Well, I, I did say that Horace Hogan, uh, County Bischoff's arm is top five. This yeah, could it, fall in the top five. It's pretty bad. What I want to do first, I just want to um, kind of run over the other matches real quick, and then we'll get to the uh, the other stuff. So the first match of the night was right. Val Venus versus, versus Steve Blackman. If everyone remembers, Val Venus was the porn star, and Blackman was the lethal weapon martial arts expert. Nothing really significant happens in this match. I actually didn't even put who won. So, I mean, it was nothing significant to me that was stood out. The second one was Sexual Chocolate versus D'Lo Brown. And uh, this is after the, they both obviously weren't in the Nation of Domination anymore. They had a feud going on. Mark Henry, Sexual Chocolate, comes to the ring and states that he can't fight due to him having a brainerism. Brainerism. A brainerism. Oh, he also comes out with hoes. Like, the godfather. He came out with, like, two, like, slutty girls. So, at this point in WWE, everyone just had prostitutes. You just with had them. hoes. <laughs> yeah. You're in WWE um, and you had hoes. Yeah, so, yeah, he had a brainerism. A brainerism. Not an aneurysm, a brainerism. D'Lo Brown comes out anyway, and they fight, and D'Lo Brown winds up beating Mark Henry for the uh, European Championship. So during this time, too, if we remember Chaz, I think it was Mosh and Beaver Cleavage, 
At this point in WWE with WWF, he was accused of domestic violence against his girlfriends in the storyline, and he was getting beat down backstage. This plays into the next match a little bit because what happens doesn't make much sense. They, they're just like beating the shit out of him backstage. And I was like, oh, look, he shouldn't have beat his girlfriend. So now he's, he's not popular backstage. The next match was an intergender match. If everyone remembers the, uh, the late China, she fought J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T, Jeff Jarrett for the IC title. This is where Jeff Jarrett was, uh, what, like a male chauvinist. Was this long haired Jeff Jarrett with the, yeah. the straps? Or short-haired Jeff Jarrett? I believe, like I said, I was in a fuzz, but I'm pretty sure it was long-haired Jeff Jarrett. But he came out with nope. Deborah McMichael at the time yeah. as his uh, manager. He didn't actually come out with her because they were feuding. But he had a thing with Deborah where they weren't getting along. Or This was short-haired Jeff Jarrett. Now, that doesn't make a difference as far as the Jeff Jarrett character. This is the era. He goes back to uh, WCW at this point, roughly right around this time, the WCW, Jeff Jarrett lays down for Hogan storyline happens. So that's why that's the only distinction I wanted to make with the long hair, short hair Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, he comes out with Miss Kitty, but he's kind of uh I don't even really know what's going on, but he I think Deborah was his manager at some point or he didn't want her to be a manager. I I forget all this. I don't remember a lot when this was actually going on. He fights China. I believe he had like a male chauvinist storyline going on. And, you know, he started feuding with China for, and uh, China was wanting to go after him for the IC title. This match isn't too bad. China was actually a decent wrestler. If you remember, she, for the time being, not many women wrestlers at the time. And she was pretty strong and she could do some, some damage, but she fought uh, Jeff Jarrett. And in the middle of the match, when it looks like Jeff Jarrett is going to wind up beating China, Mae Young and the fabulous Moolah, who combined age was about 275 years old at the time. Well, I, don't, I wouldn't even call them running down to the ring. Stumbled is mm. a better word. So, something not running. They come down to the ring. They start to beat Jeff Jarrett up a little bit, but then he just whips their ass. <laughs> like he just He's beating up a woman in the ring. And then he beats up two old women, two elderly women. Nobody from the back runs out to beat up Jeff Jarrett after they were just beating the shit out of Chaz, who was accused of beating up his girlfriend. Jeff Jarrett is actually physically beating up three women, and nothing's going on. So Chaz Beaver Cleavage is accused mm-hmm. of beating his girlfriend, and then... Jeff Jarrett on television, who's fighting China, a woman, is actually beating up two 75, 65, 75, whatever, year old women. I'm sure guitar got brought in at some point. It comes next. Because the only person that would save women is going to obviously be Deborah. Of course. So not any other male wrestler comes to defend these old women that are getting decimated in the ring by Jeff Jarrett. Deborah, who's 40 years old at the time herself, runs down to the ring and hits Jeff Jarrett with a guitar. China winds up pinning Jeff Jarrett, but because we have fake referees and not the real referees, 
another fake referee comes in the match and is like, look at the instant replay. We've never used that in 30 years of wrestling <laughs> until tonight. <laughs> Deborah hit Jeff Jarrett with the guitar. China is not the IC, new IC champ because of disqualification. So Jeff Jarrett retains the belt. 21 years ago, WWE decided they're going to use instant replay, and they haven't used it since. No. They just, they just used it this one time, and it took uh, fake referees, who I, I forgot to mention, are other personalities from WWE. Like Harvey Whippleman's like the main guy who's a scab ref, and so is uh, Terry Pritchard. But the scab referees make the decision to use instant replay and overturn the IC championship match. Which which has never happened before. Now, I know China does win the IC belt at some point. Off the top of my head, I do not remember who she wins I think it it's from. Actually, I think it's actually the next pay-per-view, or because I know that she beats, I'm pretty sure she beats Jeff Jarrett for it. I think she does, because that's when Jeff Jarrett leaves. 1999, No Mercy. No Mercy from Good Housekeeping match. She, yeah, she defeated Jeff Jarrett. Within months, she beats Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental Championship, which is kind of why, if you think about it, and I'm, this is not taking anything away from China as a wrestler, but as a wrestling fan, it takes away from the Intercontinental Championship. Jeff Jarrett, who was a credible wrestler, he was good. Oh, yeah, he was real good. You lose it to China, and not saying she didn't deserve to have it, but it kind of was like, why is she winning that belt? There should be a female Intercontinental Championship. I don't even mind so much that she wins it. It's the fact that they put her in a good housekeeping match. And and I believe, I remember her wearing like a a French maid, her attire. If you're going to make it equal where a woman could be, you know, I mean, this is a big moment in sports entertainment that a woman actually defeats a man or actually wrestles a man for on a pay-per-view. It did happen in WCW with Medusa, but she beats him for the intercontinental title and you still made a mockery of her in the same, the same match. Weird to see it. Right. Give her the belt in a, a way where it's not degrading. Right. Right. Moving on from that, this is, um, like I said before, this is the time when the Acolytes were in the ministry, and they were going to fight the Bubba Ray and Devon, the Dudley Boys, which where Bubba Ray was acting dumb and doing the stuttering gimmick, and he was going, my brother, Devon. But this, I forgot that they even did this, that they made them like like they're hillbillies, and just Bubba Ray is in North Carolina which is, you know, in the South, obviously. And he's wearing, at this time, 99, a Confederate flag bandana. And his brother, his half-brother or whatever, is black. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, in this day and age, and uh, kind of anything after 1862 is yeah. not okay. Quick side note, Acolytes, we completely forgot to mention in our Mount Rushmore episode. Yes, we did. Uh, I will give them a notable mention because they did not last long because yeah. Bradshaw became JBL and he was John Bradshaw before that. Acolytes are a notable mention. Farouk seems like he's probably one of the nicest guys in the world unless you piss him off. But I've heard that Bradshaw is just a dick. 
I've heard Bradshaw is a very big dick. He's a bully. Uh, he's a dick. Like, and I, I could see him just as soon as you piss him off in the ring. Like Farouk, I think it would take a while. Like he'd be like, "Uh, I'm Ron Simmons. I really don't want to fuck you up, but if I have to, I will." But Bradshaw's just like, "Yeah, you hit me with a a potato, which, if you know, in wrestling world, is a little stiff punch. You know, where a stiff move. He's gonna give you a receipt so bad." That you're not even going to ever want to wrestle him. <laughs> you need a clothesline from hell. Is he going to yes. give you? Yes. So in this match, the 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 Dudleys faced uh, the Acolytes. Another run in, of course, because this is what we did in the '90s was just run in and ruin every match. WCW, WWE, it doesn't matter. Run in. We don't want to hand this match cleanly. Another ECW alum, Stephen Stevie Richards. Runs in when he was doing his imitation impersonating gimmick. He ran in dressed as an acolyte. Super kicks Bubba, or Stevie kicks Bubba, and the acolytes win. The great part about this is you could tell the acolytes, they didn't want to win this way, and they were annoyed that Stevie Richards got involved. So they kill Stevie Richards in the ring. <laughs> Farouk yeah. does a dominator, almost equivalent to the Jeff Hardy dominator. It is, he lands him right on his head. Bradshaw just, like, destroys him, too. It, it, it's fantastic. The next match after that was the Hardcore Women's title, which I didn't even know existed. There's a Hardcore Women's title? Yeah, did you remember that? I remember the Hardcore title, and I remember the Women's title. I mean, maybe it was the Women's title, and they made it a Hardcore match, but they kept calling it the hard. This is for the Hardcore Women's title. So maybe it was just a Hardcore match, but it was... um. Ivory, who was, uh, you want to go over, like, wrestling history, she was in Glow. She was one of the original members in Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. I Ivory remember was. that. <clears throat> she faced Luna Vachon. Luna Vachon, who made her debut at WrestleMania 9 with Shawn Michaels. And uh, Luna was also a long man- long-time manager of Bam Bam Bigelow. They were fighting for the title backstage, you know, typical hardcore match doesn't make it to the ring, just they're fighting backstage. And Tori, who was originally in DX, do you remember Tori? I remember Tori. And she was Kane's girlfriend, I think, for a while. Yes. She does a run-in. She attacks Ivory, but Ivory still wins. So Ivory wins the belt, or keeps the belt. And then Mae Young and Moolah, who had just gotten beat up by Jeff Jarrett, are backstage being interviewed by Lillian Garcia. Then they're perfectly fine. Ivory comes up to him and says, you see, this is how you win a women's belt. This is how you fight. And then Mae Young and Mula beat the shit out of Ivory right there. And so, just start stomping her out. So Ivory, who just beat Luna Vachon in a quote-unquote hardcore match, get beat up by Mula, <laughs> who just got beat up by Jess Jarrett. Yes. So a... Fabulous Mula and Mae Young, who are not at 100%, beat up an Ivory, who just took down two women her age, and is all pumped up from the match. She gets beat up by two 80-year-old women. That, that happened. After that match, a tag match, it's the New Age Outlaws and Edge and Christian, who are both on our Mount Rushmore. And then there was a run-in by the New Brood, which were the Hardy Boys and Gangrel who were also on our Mount Rushmore. Uh, the Outlaws win. 
Edge and Christian chased their new brood off at the end of the match. So, once again, another run-in. I mean, these matches eventually start going into the Edge and Christian, Hardy Boys, Dudley Boys matches of infamy. So, we're going to do this match. Now, normally, in the last couple episodes, I've taken a bunch of notes. You have not taken the notes. You're watching it for the first time. We're, We're flipping the script here. You've taken all the notes. And I have not watched this in a long time. So you tell me where we need to go. All right. Uh, we're going to start at 128.13. Al Snow is uh, currently in the ring. This is the Kennel from Hell match from the Boss Man and Al Snow for the hardcore title. If no one remembers, this is when Al Snow used to have a little dog and Big Boss Man killed it. <laughs> Pepper on the pole match where they had to get the dog's remains off a flagpole in the ring. Al Snow was still pissed about this. Fought Bossman in a Kennel from Hell match for the, the title. Now, this was, you know, almost what, Corporation Bossman? Uh, Bossman's sporting a shiner here, and I thought it thought it was pretty funny that Snow gets into the ring, and they're still putting together the old-school cage before they even get in. They had just put that ring together while he was in the ring. Which is cool. I like the old school, the old school cages. The reason they stopped doing that is because there was no give, so they went to the fence cage because right. it was more forgiving. The whole gimmick of this match is you have the cage and then you have the hell in the cell. Both men have to escape the cage and the hell in the cell, but between both of them will be like five or six rabid Rottweilers. I see you air quoting rabid. Vicious, bloodthirsty, haven't eaten in like 17 weeks. Rottweilers, mean as hell, that will be encircling the ring. So, Bossman can't even get into the ring at this point. For some reason in this match, Snow doesn't want him to get in the ring. I guess so he gets eaten by Rottweilers. But right now, there's no Rottweilers around the ring. Nowhere. This is Al Snow, who just come from ECW. He was awesome. I loved Al Snow. Here come the dogs now. And look at the handlers. Here's the vicious Rottweilers with their handlers. This lady's wearing flip-flops. <laughs> and I know people that have Rottweilers. They've sat on my lap, and I've pet them. Yeah. Rottweilers are not vicious dogs. At this time, they had, you know, the uh, the bad publicity, like pit bulls, because it all depends on who raises them. They, they could snap, which any animal would, you know, if they're abused or, or taught to fight from birth. You know, that's just an animal, <laughs> you know. You have Al Snow here trying to keep Bossman out, and now you have the dogs pissing on the, the floor. You <laughs> see it already. As soon as they walk into the Hell in the Cell area, you see piss on the floor. Bossman's trying to climb in like he's scared, but these Rottweilers, they're not even full-size Rottweilers. They're like six-month-old Rottweilers. They're puppies. You know, this is where it could be a cool match. There's, they're on the top of a, the, the old-school blue cage inside the Hell in the Cell, and it's, you can cut them open on the cage and throw them in the Hell in the Cell, and then you get eaten by a dog. <laughs> they, have, they have the handlers are all in the one corner with all the Rottweilers. They're not like they're running around the ring encircling it by themselves like it, it's it's a moat at a you know in it's a medieval castle with alligators they're just 
literally people holding Rottweilers on the leashes, and they're barking at each other. Anyone can get bit by the, the Rottweilers. He's got to escape the cage, so now he's going to go back in. They have to get through the door at the bottom of the cell without getting eaten by the rabid, bloodthirsty, ravenous Rottweilers that are not doing the anything. Door, the, the aforementioned door, which Al Snow just climbed over, he could have dropped down and just left the cage. Yes. This would have been a great match if it was just the cage within the Hell in the Cell. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, they could have even thrown in another type of gimmick, but just having the handler, I mean, they have a hardcore, obviously it's a hardcore title, but the Rottweilers are just barking at each other right now. Rottweilers are more concerned with each other than they are the participants in the ring. <laughs> they should have just made it like a shark tank match and have them covered in blood and fighting above a scaffolding above a shark cage, and that would have made it a lot more interesting. Right now they have these... The match going on in the ring, no one is worried about what's going on because you hear Lawler at one time go, just show the Rottweilers. No one cares what's going on in the ring. They want to know if the Rottweilers are going to attack somebody. But obviously they're not. When Boss Man climbs out of the cage, the dogs are going to attack him. You're taking away from the fact that this match is actually a great concept. I think what they're trying to do here is anytime Boss Man goes to one side... They want to make it look like, you know, the dogs are mad at Bossman for killing Pepper. So Bossman decides he's going to take wire cutters and cut the top of the cage off. But he can't get up there. <laughs> like, he wouldn't be able to climb up there. Unless he had huge upper body strength where he could pull his himself up that fencing, there's no way he's getting on top of that cage. So it made no sense. But it's Big Boss Man. I mean, he used to be a really fat fuck with Akeem. Now he's a slender fat fuck with muscles. They try to put all these elements of being, like, hardcore, hitting each other with all this stuff. And you see the reaction of the crowd right now. No one cares. Fluorescent light bulb right now. They're they're even trying to bust each other open. And no one outside is doing anything. No one's cheering. No one. (laughs) He's got a snow shovel. And he's hitting him in the back. Al Snow's busted open. The boss man has powder or salt or whatever they used in his eye. He's busted open, too. Oh, his boss man busted open, too? Yeah. Now, you would think that the ravenous dogs would be going nuts at this point, trying to jump on the cage. But look, they're flooding the way, you would think. Look, there's a part where the dog literally humps another dog on the outside of the cage. Al Snow goes over and he loosens the lower rope. Of all the ropes to loosen, why would you loosen the lower rope? Oh, look. They had Bossman's hands outside the cage. They were trying to pull the dogs over to, like, lure them to his hands, which was about ten feet in the air. <laughs> it made no sense. I guess he had the snow shovel because he was Al Snow. And, then, and of course, the Bossman has handcuffs because he's the big Bossman. Well, yeah. I mean, if you ever take a trip down the Cobb County, Georgia... You better watch yourself, respect the law and order. You'll serve hard time. I kind of feel bad for the Bossman. You have you have handcuffs on you at all times. Yes, and they're never the chain is never that long. <laughs> Those are like you leg irons. Have the right handcuffs. 
Boss was going to try to climb out of the top of the cage here, and Al Snow ripped the handcuffs apart and broke the handcuffs. First wrestler to ever do that. No, he's not the first wrestler. Are you kidding? There's been many wrestlers that ripped them apart, but nobody's ever ripped them apart and then pulled somebody off a cage. Oh, he's got head out of his bag of tricks. Because nothing, the mannequin head will do more damage than all the other weapons they just used. You don't know that. That's a plastic mannequin head. <laughs> the snow shovel didn't do anything. The fluorescent light bulb, baseball nah. bat. No, just the, the mannequin nope. head did it. Knocked him out. If you notice, they haven't shown the Rottweilers because they are literally doing nothing. Oh, let's go. Let's try to push them over to Al Snow, and they can't even get these Rottweilers to cooperate because they're puppies. And you see Al Snow like kicking the cage, trying mm-hmm. to get the Rottweilers over, so he can like fight them. Oh, and Al Snow's out the door, and he won. Now, let me ask you a question: Bossman oh, is on the top of the cage. He's technically out of the cage. Wouldn't he have officially won? I guess it's both feet on the ground type of. Uh, but now the boss man is scared of the Rottweilers that are down there. They haven't done anything the entire match to intimidate anyone. So he climbs back into the cage. Instead of just climbing down the opposite side, he climbs back into the cage with the Rottweilers. They're fighting each other. The Rottweilers are fighting each other. All boss man has to do is literally just walk out. Yeah, he just has to go on the other side. He escapes, and then the handlers, they chase him. And this is the best part of it all. Here they come. They're chasing him, and whoops. <laughs> One of the handlers falls and goes, ah, I ran faster than this fucking dog. Okay, so that was a hard kennel match. And I just want to say real quick, I feel bad for Bossman for the fact that he was putting so many bad gimmicks in WWE when he, like, feuds. He had this thing with Al Snow, and then he had where he was, like, fucking with Big Show he went to Big Show's dad's funeral and pulled the casket out of the ground, and Big Show jumped on top I of the casket. forgot about that one. But he also got hung by the Undertaker in a hell in a cell. You remember that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, the next match is Jericho versus X-Pac. Jericho with Mr. Hughes. Jericho lost by DQ when Mr. Hughes attacks X-Pac. Nothing else really notable happens, but, of course, it's another interference. At every match so far... I think except for the Val Venus, Blackman, and D'Lo, Mark Henry match, every match so far, there has been a run-in. Okay, yeah, I'm ready for the Slammy Awards, you fucking <laughs> ad. Slammy Awards were yesterday, by the way, anyway. I don't give a shit. Owen Hart's the only Slammy Award winner that matters. All the participants are in the ring, and Austin just came out to be the special enforcer. So this is the six-pack match with Austin as the ref. He's not the ref. He's a special enforcer to make sure there's no shenanigans that go on. All the run-ins that happened, you know, the previous eight matches, he's to make sure that nothing goes on. So he's not a champion. The Undertaker didn't show up the entire match, the the entire pay-per-view. And now you have Bulldog Rock... Mankind, Triple H, Kane, and Big Show, which is crazy that Bulldog's even involved. Well, they were kind of pushing him at that point to be kind of a heavyweight. Yeah, well, this is like how he was still into in WWE after Brett left, after Owen died. Austin's a special enforcer, and you have these 
six guys in the ring. I didn't really watch the entire match, so I'm not really sure on how it plays out. I'm sure it's probably not too bad of a match considering who's in it, but the ending is what does it. We'll watch with an open mind. We'll just talk about what goes on, and then when you get to the ending, you'll see what the fuck. I'm going in green. I have not seen it yet. We're doing this one based on you. You're hosting this episode, and I'm all in. Austin's doing his uh, his entrance, standing on the table because you know mm-hmm. he's Austin. Yeah, he's doing commentating. commentating. Rock and Bulldog. That's a weird start. But in '99, I guess you know Rock really wasn't the superstar, and Bulldog kind of was. This is where the Rock and uh, Mankind Rock uh, Mankind thought Rock was his best friend. Uh, I was like Rock also, and Zock connection era. Yeah, just a, like right around it or right before when they became a tag team, they were like feuding back and forth champs, but they were still teaming together because they're both good guys. I think this was like Sunday night halftime heat. Them in the arena. I think that was 98, right? It was either 98 or 99 when they were in the empty arena, which is actually funny because today that would be no big deal, an empty arena with the COVID era. This was uh, nine months after halftime heat when they were feuding as enemies. Then they became friends. In this match, there's six competitors. Anyone could tag anybody, which I don't even know why you would want to tag somebody in because whoever pins anyone wins the title. That's a good point. Like, if you and I were in a match where we're against two other people and either one of us could win the title, I'm not tagging you in. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Really, it doesn't have to be a consensual tag. So now Kane just punched Big Show on the outside of the ring. Couldn't that be considered a tag? And Big Show just touched him on the ass. And he pushes him off the rope. That could be a tag right there. Yeah, so what constitutes a tag? What was the text you sent me earlier? What did you and the Big Show have in common in, in 1999? We both had hoop earrings. You both <laughs> had hoop earrings. And Big Show is actually wrestling with a hoop earring. <laughs> I don't even remember the Big Show having a hoop earring, but pretty crazy considering it doesn't look right on him at all. Not sure if it's it ever looked right on me, but... It's just funny that... The last couple pay-per-views we've covered have been WCW ones where he's the giant yeah, with the long hair. Then we doing this one, which is totally worth it. And it's Big Show. It's like, oh, there's the giant with a hoop earring. He's significantly bigger, too. So much bigger. They said that the reason why he was so big is because he had, a, I guess, an overactive thyroid problem. He was like six feet tall at like 12 years old. Apparently he has a, sm- uh, a lesser version of the giganticism that the yeah. Andre had. This match, I'm telling you, really, I, I'm really baffled by how someone tags somebody in. Any inadvertent touching outside of the, ri- of the person standing outside the ring who's not legal could be a tag. Mick Foley just tagged himself in. Bulldog tagged himself. Like, why, Bulldog, why is Bulldog out now? He was the legal man, so he tagged himself in. Fully now won't leave, but he's not the legal man. In. Uh, and then he just. And why would he tag the Rock in? And now Triple H is about to tag himself in, touching the Bulldog, or not? Why would you not tag yourself in? Don't you want to win the title? Yeah, you could tag yourself in right now. It, so just for the listeners, it's one person in each corner. So it's four people in the corners, two people on the side, six people in the match. 
and it's every man for themselves, essentially. So why did Bulldog just go over and tag Mankind in? It's it's really just a convoluted mess right now. If I'm going to be in this match, let's say, like, you take Bulldog out, you put me in, which is, you know, obviously a huge downgrade. <laughs> but if I'm in the match and I think I can take The Rock and it's me versus The Rock, I'm going one-on-one with The Rock. You're going one-on-one with The Great One. All right, so here we go. So I'm Kane, and I'm fighting Mankind. I could take Mankind at this point in my life. Oh, yeah. You know, even, what is this, 99? This is 21 years ago. Oh, I totally could take Mankind 20 years ago in my life. Why am I tagging anybody else in? You're really going to lose to a guy in a button-down shirt, a tie, and sweatpants. Yeah, it really doesn't make any sense of who's tagging and who. This should have just yeah. been a every man for himself in the ring at the same time. And they're 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 outside of the ring now, so nobody literally can tag themselves in to win the belt. No one can win right now. They're walking towards the backstage area. Yeah, and what happens if they both get counted out? Uh, I guess they would have to do a fatal four-way at that point. Uh, maybe right. there's no count-outs? But they didn't say no count-outs, and the ref, they're counting. From my understanding, it's not a false count anywhere. Yeah, they, they didn't say anything about that. You have to pin them in the ring. I mean, I understand them tagging themselves in, but I'm not tagging no one voluntarily in. Yeah, and tagging then, myself in. Every time they came near me, I'd tag them in. But I'm not what? tagging somebody else in. I want to win. Like I said, you have Austin as a special enforcer. He's been doing commentary the entire match. He hasn't enforced anything. He didn't enforce them all running out of the ring. It's just very confusing. And this is why I said this pay-per-view was going backwards. WWE, WWF was going backwards to try to make it compete with WCW again. To be like this, sh- I don't know. Well, that's the thing. Like, you have six of the biggest stars at this point. Seven, if you include Austin, who probably was hurt. At, yeah. In this match. Forget Austin. He's probably no, hurt. This, oh. this is it. The scab referees, the ones that were on strike, now decide that they want to come back to the ring. So they, they must have bought tickets, right? We can just get past security if you're like, ah, I work here. So now they're all outside watching the match right outside the ring. The refs that were on strike, but the plane tickets to get down there, are now all standing outside the ring watching this match saying, I don't like how this ref, who is actually doing a decent job, is refing this match. Now this is where it gets... The, the whole point of all of this, the, all of this is to come to this, to this point in the match where all the refs are mad at this... Scab ref. The scab ref this who's just whole, he's just trying to make a paycheck. This, this is guy. the whole reason for this storyline and pay-per-view. This is the payoff, okay? The championship match right now is secondary. It's coming Rock soon. Comes in, Rock comes in and saves the cow because he wants to win the belt, even though he keeps tagging himself out. And this poor ref is just trying to do his job. And I think he's doing a pretty decent job. He's not doing a bad job. Because Triple H is not the legal man. There's Austin drinking a beer. It's what I'm doing now. It's what you're oh. doing now. The Rock just drank Austin's beer and spit it in Triple H's face. That is not COVID protocol. 
It's not COVID protocol. Is that legal move? Now we got Kane. I don't even know who's the legal man anymore. Yeah, I'm guessing it's Mankind and, and Kane. Uh, even though I didn't see Mankind get tagged in because he tagged the Rock out. Why isn't this like a battle royal? It almost seems like it should be a battle royal. Okay, good job, Big Show. And Kane can't pin him because he got tagged out. Yeah, goodbye, Kane. Get out. What is going on? And everyone's just coming in the ring to do their moves now, and none of them can pin anybody because they're not legal. None of these guys right now can win the belt. Except <laughs> for Big Show or Kane. Here's Mr. Either Sokka. one of which are in the ring right now. Uh, Kane's in the ring, but the, he, he's the only one that could legally win the match. Like, Mankind doing this to The Rock does not win him the match. Both not legal men. Not Neither one means nothing. He can't pin Why? him. He can't the Rock's not legal. Because he's not the legal man. Kane, who's on the side of the ring now... This is just broken down into chaos, because no one knows what the fuck is going on it's, or who the legal man pandemonium. is. pandemonium. Pandemonium. That's a, that's a slobber knocker. And now Big Show's just fucking destroying everyone. Well, I mean, you're seven foot four, 600 pounds. You should be. Here it is. The refs pull out the scab ref because they're mad about him actually refing the match. And they start fighting and fucking him up. They start kicking the shit out of this ref. Mike Kyoto, why would you do that? So Austin comes and starts beating up every ref. Like, what is going Austin, on? Austin, the enforcer. I mean, I kind of get it. He's the enforcer. But he's enforcing the real refs beating up the fake refs. Don't oh, hit Earl Hebner. He just knocked out senior ring official Earl Hebner. Now Stone Cold's a ref, but why? Because the scab ref got beat up by the real refs. But we don't even know who is legal in the ring right now. All the refs are down, scab and fake, and Stone Cold... Every ref is down. Stone Cold's the only quote-unquote ref. He anointed himself ref. He didn't get involved in any wrestler shenanigans, but as soon as the refs came down, that was it. He's not putting up with that shit. And I'm going to stand out of the way while you do the people's elbow. Bulldog just stands outside the ring for like 20 minutes. Doesn't go inside. He just, he stands dazed. Oh, there he comes. Oh, now they pull him out. Oh, big show. What are you doing? He's the info. He, low blow. And low blow and a chair shot. Pedigree, but you can't even keep up with the action. <laughs> And Austin has to count Triple H as the champ, and he didn't want to, so, apparently. Big Show pulls Austin out of the ring. As Bulldog is about to hit Triple H, he stops Bulldog from hitting Triple H with the chair. I don't even... My brain can't even process what just <laughs> happened. Bulldog went and hit the rock with a chair. Stone Cold... He was about to hit Triple H with the chair. Stone Cold took it, hit Bulldog with the chair for whatever reason. Triple H hit the pedigree on the rock, won the title. Stone Cold called the pin, and then he just now Stone Cold stunned there. And now he's going to pose the belt, although he didn't do anything. He's going to have some Steve Weisers, though. Can we Joe say that Austin has never dropped a beer, I don't think? He catches every beer. He'll be down the aisle and catch the beer. <laughs> so, in closing, I want to know what you thought 
overall about Unforgiven 99. Aside, I mean, like I said, it wasn't as, as, as gimmicky as WCW, like you said, but, um, the storylines were the scab ref thing, the, uh, domestic violences, stuff like that. The Kennel from Hell hardcore title match. I'm right there with you. I, I'm glad you picked this one out because, like, you know, we've done a, I think of our, this is going to be our ninth episode or tenth episode. I think most of our episodes have been WCW because in the big picture, WCW has been the shittier league. But there's WWE we have to talk about. And this is definitely one of them. So I'm glad this is one of the ones that you were able to watch. Definitely worth it because that last match was just a pile of confusion. Two minutes into it, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know who was the legal man. It I don't remember watching that one when I was younger because it was probably one of the pay-per-views that I skipped. Especially, like I said, the payoff. The whole payoff was about the referee strike. That was the whole purpose for this match, to get this referee thing settled. And it gets settled actually the next night on Monday Night Raw and Vince McMahon gives the referees more authority and brings them all back. So this was their payoff. This was their like culmination of being a referee. This was their their apex moment in time. If we could play kayfabe for a while, you're going into a pay-per-view. You have British Bulldog, Stone Cold the Enforcer, The Rock, Big Show, Mankind, Triple H, Kane, your restaurant strike, kayfabe, no, total kayfabe. You're not going to go, ah, we should probably work this deal out on Saturday. <laughs> no. No, you're going to go, we're going to rest on Monday after the pay-per-view. I'm pretty sure that was Triple H's first WWE title, if I'm not mistaken. It might be. I, as a matter of fact, I think you're actually right. And it was all because of the refs going, we're not going to take it. <laughs> And let's not include The Undertaker at all, but let's put no. him on the cover of a pay-per-view. You could have said, I'm Vince McMahon, I'm a billionaire. Here's $15,000. Just make sure this match doesn't go the way it actually goes in the pay-per-view, where nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Just make sure Triple H wins. Or how about this? You're Vince McMahon. You own this billion-dollar company. And everybody, everybody that's there is your employee. Every single one of them. All you have to say is, hey, you attack a referee in this match and you're fired. That's it. A- end of discussion. Right there, Kane would have been fired. Rock would have been fired. Stone Cold would have been fired. So it would have been down to Man- uh, Mankind, Big Show, and Triple H. And why on earth did they have... Tom Pritchard and Harvey Whipple. What made them be qualified enough to be referees? I mean, and, you know, also became the referee at the end of the match because he anointed himself. You know, a sanctioned match shouldn't just have some guy be like, well, I'm the ref now. It's like Captain Phillips where he's like, well, I'm the captain now. <laughs> like, you know, I'm the referee now. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to go to, like, a uh, independent wrestling thing in my town and, the ref's going to get knocked out, and I'm going to run in and go, I'm the ref. 
I'm going to always wear a striped shirt under whatever I'm wearing. I'm going to run in and count the three and see if they say anything. Yeah, it'd be like, um, I just anointed myself referee. Shane Douglas versus the Patriot at the uh, Rawway Convention Center. I think that you should be the special enforcer and I should be the scab referee. And we'll just do, we'll just make it happen. That might actually happen. I'm actually going to bring my um, 19-year-old cat to the uh, the match, and we're going to have a – I mean, if my cat can be a referee, I guess, but I was going to say we're going to put him in a cage inside uh, inside a cage and have the cat go around on catnip. In WCW and WWE in that time, they gave birth to a hand. May, May Young gave birth to a hand. A Yeti was dressed like a mummy. And then, like a character from Mortal Kombat, the Shockmaster existed. The Shockmaster did exist. And Mantar. It was a special time. Yes. Everything everything in WWF and WCW at this time, moment in time, was just, like you said, special. <laughs> special like, is the best way of putting it. When the owner of the company decides... um I'm going to be the main villain, which was actually a genius. But then when he was like, I'm just going to make every person in my family the champion. <laughs> like, And win every match was just insanity. What about when he put his own wife in a coma? <laughs> Remember? Oh, my God. I forgot about that. He's the genius and insanity. They're blurred lines. And Unforgiven 99 was a prime example, I think. Listen, Vinny, I'm going to thank you immensely for bringing this one to my attention to, to to wrap this up because this has been a great, great episode. Uh, but we still have many more to do. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of episodes coming up. And you can hear me flipping my notes. That's how many notes I have for what's coming up. And I know you've been taking notes as well. Aside from these, like we had our Mount Rushmore episodes, every now I think every now and then we should do a special episode. You know, Listen, not we're we're going to talk about. You know what I want to talk about with you because I know how much you have a boner for Shawn Michaels. We're going to oh. talk about Shawn Michaels Marty Kennedy storyline. I'd like to do that, and 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 I would love the Bret Hart Michael storyline or the Hogan. Shawn Michaels oversell match that I just watched last night with my son, and he was cracking up. Here, here, here's a, a teaser, I guess you could say too. We start with Janetti and Michaels as the Rockers, and Janetti at the time, I loved Janetti. I thought he was actually he could have been the bigger star at that time. I thought he was the bigger star, and he wound up not being the bigger star just because of the way that Vince McMahon chose it to be. You know, it could have went either way. Michaels became Shawn Michaels, and Marty Jannetty, unfortunately, has had his issues. It's very unfortunate, but it's just so crazy that the way that storylines are interwoven or however, whatever you want to say, in re the wrestling world, the wrestling world is like the mob, okay? Or it's like just some fucking Michael Bay movie. It's some or M. Night Shyamalan movie. I don't know. Even know how you said it, to explain it. Things that you think are going to go a certain way, they get twisted and turned, and then everyone's life gets disrupted and fucked up, or, you know, they become the next big thing. 
like you would think Bret Hart would have been the biggest thing in WWE, like Cena, you know, Stone Cold, and just that one little thing, the screw job in Montreal, turned Bret Hart's career into nothing. You ruined him. I, I just think it's interesting. To leave it at that, if you look at everything that is, uh, you look at everything in wrestling, like you said, shitty pay-per-views and all that, it just comes down to, you're sitting there and you're like, who is even thinking of this shit? You, you came, you'll sit there and you'll be like, oh, this is definitely how I'll end it. And you're expecting it and they just throw some insane, nonsensical shit and you're like, are you purposely trying to, like, piss people off? I think it's, like, sometimes it's a big troll. Researching this show and trying to just reinvest into my own knowledge of, of what happened back in the day, I guess is the best way to put it. I've been watching old Thunders and Raws and, and Nitros. Storylines on all of the Thunders and Raws and Nitros, they start off really well where you're watching them and you go, holy shit, I have to see how this is going to finish. And then you get into the pay-per-view and you go, yeah, this is what I paid fucking $50 for? Yeah, it's like watching It's like watching Dexter. You get through seven, eight seasons, and then you're like, wait, what? He's a fucking lumberjack now? <laughs> All right, thank you for tuning in for this episode of... Uh, Front Face Lock Wrestling Podcast. Benny, thank you for taking the lead on this one. Thank you for having me. And also, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays, everybody. Uh, please check out uh, Anchor.fm. Please check out our Twitter at uh, Front Face Lock, uh, our Instagram, and our Facebook at Front Face Lock Podcast. Benny, thank you so much. Thank you. And please tune in because our next couple episodes are probably going to be WCW, but I don't know how we're going to top this pile of shit that we just watched. <laughs> oh, we'll top it. We'll definitely top it. Happy New Year. Well, we'll see you before the New Year, but take it easy.